Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. I'm very pleased you're with me, and we have huge events on the move in our world, so I want to dive right in. As I speak right now, as I record this, we are heading towards what could be a huge war in Eastern Europe. You've been watching the news, so you know that Russia, which has had a historic claim, it believes, to the Ukraine, has amassed as many as 5,000 troops on the border of Ukraine and begun what it always begins at moments like this, which is called agiprop. It's begun the agitation propaganda. It's begun to claim that the West is forcing it into a conflict. That was the claim made by the Russian ambassador to the UN just this past week. It's begun to claim that the Russian minority within the Ukraine uh, is being oppressed in some way. And so the only reason for Russian troops amassing on the border of Ukraine is that they are trying to protect their ethnic minority within the Ukraine. It's all crap. It's all crap. Sorry, I should use more technical language, but it's all crap. It's agiprop. It's agitation propaganda. It's meant to incite things. It's a false flag event, as I explained a few weeks ago in my podcast. It's what nations do when they want to act like they're being invaded, but in fact, they're the ones creating the conflict. But they use that claim of of an impending invasion to, in fact, invade somebody they wanted to invade in the first place. And the Russians, I have to say, loving my Russian friends as I do, but as a nation under Mr. Putin, they specialize in this. So Mr. Mr. Putin wants to rebuild the Russian empire. He has a special claim he wants to lay to the Ukraine because of its immense natural resources. And so he wants to see Russian troops marching into, and by the way, I often say Kiev. I anglicize the name, but in honor of my uh, friends from the Ukraine, I'm going to use the proper term for uh, Kiev, as we say in English, but it's actually Kiev. That's how they would say it there. And so I'm going to say it that way in this podcast. I just want to explain. Now, Russia has put as many as 5,000 troops around the border in Belarus. It has uh, been doing essentially war operations, mocking wars, etc. Um, it is it is basically standing at the border of the Ukraine, shaking its weapons and chanting and carrying on and firing missiles and going through maneuvers and what have you. And I want to say, and this is going to surprise some of you who know that I'm not a big fan of President Biden, but he has done exactly the right thing now. He may be a little bit late, but he has done exactly the right thing. We've had a month of intense negotiations. And now, just on this date, the 2nd of February, when I'm recording this, you won't hear it for another little while yet. But on the day that I'm recording this, President Biden has ordered several thousand troops into Eastern Europe. Now, he has not ordered them into Ukraine because Ukraine is not a NATO member. 
And so we can't just move troops right into Ukraine, into the Ukraine. If they were a NATO member, we could actually move in in the defense of that nation uh, without even asking permission, quite frankly. That's what NATO is. It's a defense pact. And so uh, we, we have a defense pact with all the NATO members. And if they're under, if they're being attacked, if they're endangered, uh, they can request U.S. troops. But in an extreme situation, we don't even have to ask permission. We can just move in in their defense. And that's in case, of course, their government has been subverted. So all that to say, President Biden now initially put 8,500 troops on uh, readiness but now he has mobilized 2,000 troops, actually not just put them on readiness, but actually mobilized 2,000 troops to Eastern Europe, to Germany and other places where they will be able to strike. And by the way, Fort Bragg uh, here in the United States is a, a largely a special forces uh, outpost. It's largely a special forces facility. So these are not just 2,000 generic infantrymen, for example, or generic artillery. These are, for the most part, a lot of these people are going to be special forces, and they're going to know what they're doing, and they're going to be ready to do, to operate. And so this was a very good move on uh, Mr. Biden's part. He's negotiated and nego- negotiated aggressively, I'll have to say, for about a month to six weeks. And now, uh, realizing that the Russians are not coming to uh, negotiate. They're not coming to the table with good intent. He's mobilizing 2,000 American troops, largely special forces, or at least a majority special forces, uh, into Eastern Europe. It's the right move. It is the right move, and I'm delighted. One of the things that moved me in the past few weeks, that has moved me in the last few weeks, is to see Ukrainian citizens training for war with wooden cutout guns. Have you seen this? You should look for this online if you haven't seen it yet. Literally, dads and moms and and young men and young women crawling through barbed wire, marching, taking positions under the command of military leaders. And what do they have on? They might have some fatigues. They might have a partial uniform. But what they have in their hands is a wooden cutout in the shape of a gun. They don't actually have a gun. They don't actually have weapons. But they're training for war, hoping that if war comes, they can make a difference with this enhanced training, even though they have a wooden gun in their hands. Now, on the one hand, this is pitiful when you're talking about facing the Russian army. On the other hand, I love that spirit. I I love that valor. And one young man who was training like that was interviewed by the Western press, and he said, we just have to do it. We cannot lose this. This is our nation. This is our people. We have to stand. Our nation is holy ground for us, and we have to stand. I love that because we, 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 we cannot allow the Russians to move into the Ukraine. We cannot allow a revitalized Russian empire. Uh, the Russians already uh, controls a nation that's so large. I think it covers still seven time zones. I believe it still does. It's huge. If you've ever taken a train as I have across Siberia, that takes days. It's forever. And it's because Russia is so huge. So the idea that Russia needs more territory is just an exercise in vanity on the part of Mr. Putin. So I'm very pleased that Mr. Biden has negotiated as he has. That's honorable. And I'm very pleased that some weeks ago he put uh, the the 8,500 troops on alert. The Pentagon ordered that. And now he's actually mobilized them. They are being placed in Eastern Europe. I don't want war. This, this could ratchet up to be a huge war. Just the initial invasion could be larger than D-Day. 
it could be huge. And I don't want war, but it's obvious to everybody in the world that this is a Russian aggression that has to be answered. And if there's any purpose to NATO, and as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a little bit suspicious of NATO because we keep tolerating Turkey, which is anti-democratic and as oppressive of the Kurds as they could be. So I'm a little bit hesitant about NATO and who it includes. But if there's any purpose to NATO, it's about this. In fact, NATO arose to oppose Soviet incursions. And if that now has to be opposed, if they now have to be opposed to Russian incursions, then let it be. Let it be. And one of the things that I'm pleased about with Mr. Biden, uh, with whom I disagree on a huge range of things, um, one of the things I'm pleased about is that he has to know that our exit from Afghanistan gave us a black eye in the eyes of the world. The, the, The whole world is looking at us as though we are a weakened, a wounded giant. Well, not sitting by twiddling our thumbs with a, with a near octogenarian president and, and, uh, and a nation that's taken uh, some hits, but mobilizing, taking a stand. You know, I think I've told you before that when I, I grew up a military brat and I had to move a great deal and my father was not a violent man, but he said, if you move to a new place and some guys start to pick on you, as happened at one particular assignment, take them on, fight back. Because if you don't, you're going to have them picking on you the entire year. Our assignments tended to be a year in each place. You're going to be picked on the entire year. It was good advice. What you do is you pop the, the bully in the nose. You take a stand against him. And even if you lose, you win respect, you draw allies. And that worked in my life. And that's what you have to do. That's the nature of foreign policy. That's why, for example, in my own life, just using referring to my own life for a moment, um, I spent six years of my life before the age of 18 living in Germany. Why? Because my father was part of a military, two military installations, Berlin and Schweinfurt in Germany, where he was positioned and they were, he was an expert in Soviet affairs and spoke Russian. Um, The army had taught him to speak Russian and he was about hedging in, hemming in the Soviet Union and fighting the Cold War. That's what you do. It's why we didn't have massive wars uh, with, between the East and the West during the Cold War, because we, we positioned troops properly, we stood our ground, we hemmed them in, and eventually their empire collapsed in 1989. Now, all of that to say, Mr. Biden is doing the right thing, perhaps a little late, perhaps a little late, I'm not even sure that's true, but he's doing the right thing. At the same time, by the way, I want to say, and, and I want to, I'm going to reserve comment on everything I want to say about Taiwan, because I'm going to, my next podcast is going to be about some very interesting features of Taiwan most Americans don't know. But at the same time that this is going on, Mr. Biden is also doing the right thing around Taiwan. We all know that China has wanted the island of Taiwan, which is just about 150 miles off its coast, has wanted that island for a long time. It's wanted it because uh, the Taiwanese are essentially uh, people who oppose, have opposed Chinese rule, Chinese communist rule um, since the 1940s and 50s um, under Chiang Kai-shek. Uh, it is it is a, a, an island, a people that the U.S. has backed. It is just a stench in the nostrils of the of the Chinese Communist government, um, and so they've wanted that island, and we have we have backed Taiwan's independence. Well. So the Chinese now, again, sensing American weakness based largely on our exit from Afghanistan and our, our basic loss of that war, 
The Chinese have begun to fly uh, military flights into into Taiwan airspace. They've begun to position their ships. They've begun to make war uh, talk, not war, but war talk. And so Mr. Biden's done the right thing. In the South China Sea and the East China Sea and in the, in the Taiwan Straits, uh, which is basically that body of water between Taiwan and the mainland of China, uh, he's begun to move U.S. aircraft carriers into there. He's not preparing for war, but I'll tell you what, a U.S. aircraft carrier is like moving a military city uh, into a region. You put a couple of those there and you basically have put a massive military force there. So we're showing teeth. We're saying, you don't want to do this. This is going to be expensive for you. And t- China is massive in terms of its uh, land space, but it has an army that's much smaller than ours, much smaller than ours. So they don't want to mess with us. And our aircraft carriers are just stunning. So it sounds like I'm cheering war and I'm cheering Mr. Biden. That has to be confusing to some of you. The fact is I'm opposed to war, but one of the ways that you prevent war is by maintaining defensive strength and basically signaling to bad guys, this is going to be expensive for you. You make a move, you make a move, you make, a, make an illegal, illicit, aggressive move, this you're going to hurt. And that basic position will prevent violence in most cases. I believe the Russians are bullies, not the people. I love the people, but the government, the military, Mr. Putin certainly is just a chest-thumping bully. And now that we're sending very elite troops into the region and saying, we dare you, I think you might see him stand back. But if we weren't going to move in, if we weren't going to be, if we were going to look like America with an aging leader and a failed record recently, then they might have just gone in and taken the Ukraine. So Mr. Biden's doing the right thing, and I think in both cases, war might be prevented. At least what he's doing, at least what the Pentagon is ordering, is the best chance we have of preventing war. But if war is going to come, either from China or from Russia, then we've got to meet it. And that's the calling on this generation. But on these issues, Mr. Biden is doing the right thing as commander in chief. The Pentagon's ordering the right things. And I was very happy having a close connection to uh, the troops there at at Fort Bragg and knowing about it a little bit. And not just as an army brat, but as a guy who's spoken there quite a bit and has friends there. I was very pleased that the main mobilization was out of Fort Bragg. Uh, because that that means that some very elite, highly trained people are going to be on the ground within the next few days to withstand this Russian incursion. And of course, as I've already said, we're also doing the right things in Taiwan. So it's a dangerous world and violence may come, but at least we've taken the right stands for now. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.